Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Hello, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Check your clocks. Check your watches. It is Fantasy Baseball O'Clock. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, and it is Tuesday, so you're checking your watches and uh, clocks. Check your calendar, too, because that means it is time for Tuesdays with Modica. Matt Modica with me here. Matt, how are you doing? Hey, Al. It's uh, great to be back this Tuesday. I'm currently sitting in a nice, comfortable 68 degrees, so good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good thing right now because I'm guessing you're you know you're doing the show indoors, and yes, uh, in my new apartment. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know you're gonna find too many places where it's a nice comfy 68 degrees uh, other <laughs> than indoors right now. So, uh, but uh, yeah, good to good to have you back. Uh, no, you couldn't uh, be here last week, so we got lots to to catch up on. Not not really just from last two weeks, you know, just from last 24 hours. Uh, lots mm-hmm. to talk about. So uh, we uh, had a big uh, debut from Daniel Ponce de Leon. And uh, the news on him today is maybe not what you, you would expect. So we're going to talk about him a little bit. Uh, but, uh, well, actually, before I, I move uh, on with the news, which we will get to, and there's plenty of it, uh, I thought also be a good time before we get too deep into the second half to look at the, some of the players who have really uh, done better than a lot of us expected in the first half. And I'll, I'll tell you what, what prompted this uh, idea, Matt, because I know you and I were going back and forth this morning and you know, talking about the show. And it all started with a, a tweet question that I got about Trevor's story. Uh, and it was a deal that involved, basically, he was the major player on one side of the deal, and Justin Verlander was the, the big name on the other side of the deal. And so it was sort of a one-up, down, one, up, one down for shortstop and starting pitcher. And my initial thought was, Trevor Story for Justin Verlander, essentially? Really? <laughs> and then, you know, I looked at I mean, he's been one of the top shortstops. And then I, you know, looked further what he's done. And I mean, you know, I mean, I haven't totally been sleeping. I mean, I know he's having a great season. But I have to admit, it was a little better than what I thought. So I thought, well, who else has been a lot better than what I realized? So that's basically the list that we're going to be working off of later on in the show. But before we get to that, Matt, uh, let's get to the news. And right, actually, during the show yesterday, but I didn't catch it while I was on the air, Blake Snell placed on the DL with shoulder fatigue. Is there going to, after they inevitably do trade uh, Nate Evaldi, is there going to be anybody left to pitch for the Rays? Uh, I don't know if there's going to be anybody left to pitch that's a starting pitcher that you want right. to have because, you know, I look, they got to just be careful about Snell. It's been a fantastic season. We saw the we saw it happen kind of in the second half, but the confirmation, the arrival 
it all happened this year. Yeah, no, I mean, an absolute breakout season. Um, and we did see I would, more than flashes of it in the second half last year. But, you know, there are a lot of players that uh, I was certainly very high on coming into this year because they finished really strong. I will tell you one of them is Robert Stevenson who we have not seen all year, uh, you know, so coming into the year, you know, back in March when we were drafting, how would you necessarily know the difference between the Blake Snells and the Robert Stevensons of the world? Well, Blake Snell, obviously totally legit. So I, I can't agree with you more that the Rays have to be super careful with them. And I would think that they would be, uh, and, you know, while I say, well, there's nobody left to pitch for the Rays. I mean, you were, you were right to make the point. Well, nobody to start, but, you know, maybe that's what this whole experiment is about, just proving that they actually don't need starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know if this means that they do move a Ryan Yarbrough or Matt Andres into the rotation because there's there's really just not much left in the minors with all the, uh, you know, injuries and, and Tommy John recoveries that are going on. I, I mean, I would like to see them give both those two players you just mentioned, just give them a chance to be starting pitchers. Uh, you know, do it the traditional way see what happens, and go from there. Well, we may. You know, I really am not sure what the other options are. And, you know, I, I comb through their, the roster resource page because when I can't sum it up with my own memory <laughs> who might be next up, uh, you know, I basically cheat and do it that way. And, uh, you know, it wasn't really for lack of memory. It's just everybody's hurt. And the one name I saw, actually, well, two names. One was Andrew Moore, uh, who pitched for the Mariners for part of last season. And I actually, uh, I think it might have been on a show that Nanda was on. And I hadn't even realized that Andrew Moore wasn't with the Mariners organization anymore because I was talking <laughs> about him as a you know, potential depth for the Mariners. Well, now uh, maybe p- potential depth for the Rays. Uh, but another name also out of the Mariners system that I didn't realize was was kicking around Forrest Snow. I don't know if you, you remember him. Uh, back in the day, was was kind of a, a prospect for the Mariners, and he's now pitching he's in Triple A. Really, yeah, okay. Well, great name, Forrest Snow. Not Which, having a bad season either. What's great if, if you go on the MLB.com page and you go to the Rays depth chart under rotation, it is one Chris Archer, two Nate Evaldi. And that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, I did leave Chris Archer out of this, but he could get traded yeah, yeah, too. No, no, no. I'm just saying. But I, you've, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Jordan. No, I, I definitely <laughs> haven't. And I think they're going to have to, you know, erase Evaldi off that list uh, in the next week or so. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I just would be absolutely shocked if he was a Ray uh, one week from now. So, so yeah. Now uh, Austin Pruitt's another uh, guy that's pitching in AAA for them. So obviously he'd be a candidate to either start or be uh you know the the middle innings you know essentially uh starting pitcher just pitching you know in the third inning forward so we'll see we'll see how that plays out and obviously the big star bearing the big story here which is uh Blake Snell uh and I haven't seen a timetable for him uh but uh, you know obviously there that's the other side of the the issue here uh and no surprise here but Justin Justin Turner has been placed on the DL after he aggravated his groin injury uh Brent Suter is uh, probably going to have to have Tommy John surgery. He's got a torn UCL. So that's uh, bad news for him. I know he's not, you know, super duper heavily owned in fantasy. He's a, a player that I've liked, that I've rooted for. Um, 
you know, these lower velocity guys that somehow find a way to get it done. But he hasn't, you know, wasn't getting it done with a whole lot of consistency this year. But now out for the year and and in all likelihood out for all or, or most of uh, next year as well. And what's what's your thinking, Matt, on this whole Gary Sanchez situation? He took a lot of heat for not running out of ball out of the batter's box yesterday. Uh, and then subsequently a report from John Heyman that Sanchez might have actually re-aggravated his groin injury uh, on a pass ball. So do you have any sense or any more recent reporting in terms of uh, whether or not Sanchez is going back to the DL? Uh, honestly, you know, my whole thing is – the first step to address is he didn't run it out hard. For me, look, I want to see everybody run everything out and stuff, but it's certain things. He's just coming off the DL. He's a catcher, and I'm not going to kill him for that. If he uh, hurt himself on a pass ball, if that was the real injury there, I, I got to think there's a good chance. I mean, I don't know. I haven't really, you know, but the coming off the DL and then re-injuring something kind of makes you think that, it looks like this could be for real. Yeah, I I think so. I think so. This is really this is the second time in what like three days where you know first we had the guy that uh, it looked like he stole the foul ball from the kid. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, it, it turned out he didn't, and, and not only that, he but he's already given the kid number one for like yeah. Uh... <laughs> So, uh, you know, this is the second time that maybe we've, we've jumped the gun on Twitter with uh, criticizing somebody unfairly. But, yeah, so I think it was also part of this Heyman report. I, I definitely read it somewhere that Sanchez did not tell the team that he was hurt again because he really doesn't want to go back on the DL, which is not fantastic logic, but it also seems fairly, fairly commonplace among players to do that. Well, yeah, I mean, these athletes at this level, they want to be on the field. They want to play. You know, I mean, the guys, these guys have pride. I mean, Sanchez, I'm sure that batting average bothers the hell out of him and stuff. I think he's a better player than that. So. Well, let's uh, head across town here and talk about another uh, medical uh, mystery here. Uh, Jonas Cespedes met with team doctors and underwent an MRI. He's also uh, seeing a foot specialist, which sounds like a good thing. And Mets are just waiting on an updated diagnosis, according to MLB.com. So um, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, I just I'm stashing Cespedes where I've got him, but just waiting this out. And uh, I I just have to say, it does not sound or look good to me. Like uh, we can count on much from Cespedes uh, going forward this year. No, it it sounds pretty terrible. Uh, I've heard him make comments. I heard the comments from the. One of the three interim GMs, I don't know how to really manage in that. That seems confusing enough. It seems typical Mets. Uh, <laughs> he's been out for a while. If this was bothering him, he could have had surgery like two months ago. Would have put him 100% healthy back for next year. This year is going nowhere. Cespedes doesn't need to be out there anymore. So, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, as a Met fan, it's more aggravating. I want to see this guy play. He's a good player when healthy. He really does a lot for this team as far as with the bat, and he's needed. So I'm just, as a Met fan, it's like just throw your hands up in the air. Well, since you are a Met fan, uh, Matt, uh, do you think that they should trade Jacob DeGrom at this point? Just get what they can? No. See, if you're going to trade Jacob DeGrom, I'm not saying you can't. I'm not looking to actively trade him. 
But if you get one of these offers that you can't refuse, that can really help you build upon. You're getting like, you know, top prospects. I don't want some guy from single A that's, you know, a, a maybe kind of guy. You know, uh, you know, three or four guys or, or, or a young major leaguer who's very talented. This is one of the top arms. He's been one of the top arms. He's 30 years old. He's pitched, what, like 800 innings in his career. He doesn't have this workload. He started late. He had the Tommy John. So I, I think he has another few good years in him. You have him under control. And this is the Mets. This is New York. They should be in competition on every free agent. We know that's not going to happen. But I don't think you trade a DeGrom unless you are blown away. Well, I think that's – I think anybody would argue with that. I think it's just more a question of do you believe and, – and not just you, Matt, but, I mean, anybody who's looking at this situation, do you believe that the Mets are just they ready for and have to do a total teardown or do you give it, uh, you know, another go with the core of of what they've got? Uh, because while it's frustrating this year, and who knows how long Syndergaard's going to be out, I mean, you do have those two as a one-two punch. Uh, you, you know, you've still, if Cespedes gets healthy, you've still got uh, the, the core of a decent offense there. Uh, you know, but uh, by the same token, like you say, they're they're not going to be big market or not. They're just not going to be paying for big free agents well, based on the team's financial situation. That's, you know, that's that's the problem right there. So if if given, you know, the tools to acquire some guys, maybe make some trades, this team shouldn't be, you know, at least not in a wild card contention. If you have a healthy Syndergaard, which is becoming another problem, and a DeGrom, and you can put another one or two arms behind that, that's, that should keep you in competition. An outfield of, a, say, a healthy Cespedes, say whatever is ailing him, these heels, that gets fixed. You got him. You got the other two young outfielders there. So that's a nice call. Why did they sign Jay Bruce to a three-year deal? I didn't understand it, but, you know, it was a considered a team-friendly contract. Yeah, it still was a bit of a head-scratcher at the time, and yeah. even like, more so now. I not wait to trade him and, you know, I don't know. Well, you know how I asked you if you had any more recent reporting on Gary Sanchez? I've got some more recent reporting. Uh, according to Buster Only, Sanchez is going on the DL. So there you go. Yeah, it just sounded like that was going to be the case. I mean, I'm not a doctor, yep. and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn, but it's how like <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Buster Only did then. I don't know. Anyways, well, let's uh, – we were doing a little trade rumoring with the Mets here. Let's uh, go to some actual reporting here on trades uh, from Jerry Krasnick of ESPN and Baseball America. He's got an update on Zach Britton. Uh, you got four teams now that are, are heavily in that mix. Astros, Red Sox, Yankees, and Cubs. And both the Astros and Yankees have apparently increased their offers over the last couple of days. Uh, we've got an update from John Morosi of MLB Network on Marlins and uh, their uh, attempt to peddle some relievers. The Red Sox and Marlins have been talking about Drew Steckenrider. Uh, according to a source, the Marlins are not willing to accept either Michael Chavez, uh, who's uh, j- had a drug suspension earlier this year. Yep. And Jay Groom, who's recovering from Tommy John. So neither of them would uh, be a sufficient haul. Can't really blame the Marlins on that one. Uh, that would have looked very different a year ago. <laughs> but right now, uh, they probably can do better, I would think. Uh, so they're but, not ex- I mean, accepting that. Take maybe a gamble on one of those, uh, especially the pitcher. 
I mean, maybe if if healed, that could be an arm that in a couple of years could really help you. I don't know. Um, it I, could. I, but I agree. I agree. They can't like miss anymore. But I think they got to shoot for the stars and sh- shoot. That, well, I agree. Which is why I say I. It makes sense to me that they would do that. You know, maybe they ratchet it down and say, okay, no Steckenrider, and Ryder, but maybe what about Tehran Guerrero for one of those guys? Or say, okay, well, we're not taking Jay Groom, but, you know, what about a, a healthy pitcher? So uh, we'll, we'll see uh, how that plays out. Uh, imagine they'll be dealing uh, multiple relievers in the next couple of days. Uh, according to MLB.com, the Nationals have talked to the Rangers about a potential Cole Hamels deal, uh, but they'll be competing with the Mariners, Yankees, and Braves. Uh, for Hamels. Each of them have has expressed some interest. Uh, another note here from John Morosi, the Brewers have considered acquiring Mike Moustakis and shifting Travis Shaw over to second base. That's interesting. Uh, but that might be uh, put on ice for a while because they got to look for pitching now with the, the uh, Brent Suter injury. So uh, a lot more to get to. Big, big news day. So we'll get to all that and potential first half flukes. Much, much more right after this break. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour, Modica Tuesdays edition. Matt Modica here with me. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, Matt, we got a lot more news to catch up on. Uh, as I've mentioned, we are going to take a look at some players who did really well in the first half, and we'll uh, exchange views on how they'll uh, do in the second half. But uh, before we get to any of that, I've got some really important questions for you, Matt. Would you bake a cake without a recipe? Absolutely not. Nah, it would be, if I did it, it would be a disaster. <laughs> would you go to trial for public urination without a lawyer? No. No, nah, I wouldn't either. That would also be a disaster. But then why would you go to a fantasy football draft without the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package? Think about that. We have a fantasy Hall of Famer and the number one overall football accuracy expert on staff writing articles, compiling rankings, projecting 2018 statistics, and answering your pre-draft questions. Our company's been nominated for over 60 fantasy industry awards in the last three years. We're here to help you win. So go to rotoexperts.com, use the code WINNER to get 10% off, and give us the honor of leading you to fantasy glory 
with the exclusive edge fantasy football package. All right. Uh, I'm sure the other questions coming up on the show are going to be a lot easier to answer, uh, or at least less uncomfortable. <laughs> so, uh, here's, here's a question. Uh, this one's really easy to answer. Why would the Cardinals send down Daniel Ponce de Leon after seven innings of no-hit ball in his uh, Major League debut? Well, the answer is because they had to bring up tonight's starter, Austin Gomber. So uh, I think we could see Ponce de Leon. We should see Ponce de Leon back up soon, I would think. Uh, would not read yeah, too much was, in that. Yeah, that was like a procedural move until uh, until his next time up is there. I would, would you pick him up, Ponce de Leon? Uh, would I pick him up? I mean, if it's not going to cost you much, why wouldn't you take a shot? I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume he's going to get another uh, chance in five, five, six days to pitch. And right now, if he gets hot for a month or, you know, he's hard to figure out. It's a great story considering what happened to him last year. So I would. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, great to see him him back uh, and uh, and then thrive that way uh, uh, in the uh, in the Cardinals rotation. Uh, you know, of course, they've got a number of injuries, so um, you know, I don't know ultimately if maybe John Gant uh, goes to the bullpen or goes back down to the minors to make room. But I would think somehow, some way, you just don't take a guy who tosses a seven no hit innings and and just. Uh, you know, send back down the minors uh, and, you know, Luke Weavers is down there, but you know, that's a, a, a technicality. Uh, Dakota Hudson, there've been on and off rumors about him coming up. So even with all the injuries, Cardinals have, have some nice depth and, uh, you know, very impressive uh, first start and, and really a nice uh, uh, season in the minors for, uh, for Ponce de Leon. Now sticking with the Cardinals rotation news from Derek Gold of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Carlos Martinez is scheduled to throw a side session at some point during uh, the series with the Reds. And the goal here is to see if he can actually uh, make a start against the Rockies next week. So, again, a good problem for the Cardinals to have if Carlos Martinez is that close uh, potentially to returning. Drew Pomerantz will make his return. Uh, he's going to be uh, activated so he can make his uh, start tonight for the Red Sox against the Orioles. Uh, Mets apparently are going to call up Jeff McNeil, according to Rich McLeod of Baseball Prospectus Mets. Any interest, Mets fan Matt Modica and Jeff McNeil? Uh, I mean, look, he had a really good season so far, but they do play in uh, Vegas, which seems hitter-friendly. I mean, as a baseball fan, I mean, as a Mets fan, I'm excited just to see some Young blood at some point, Cabrera is going to be moved. So, I mean, in fantasy, if he can, if he can, I'm going to monitor him, you know, whatever watch list, whatever term you want to use. And uh, if he's productive, hey, if he's going to be playing infield, there's talk, maybe some outfield. But uh, yeah, if you can get like an infielder that can help you, why not? All right, yeah, and I think that's the right approach. Uh, Albert Pujols was activated on Monday and then went one for four in his return against the White Sox. Ozzy Albies out yesterday, out today. In fact, that's a final now, Braves-Marlins. That was an early one, and uh, uh, despite a 9-3 to three score, a uh, pretty uh, efficient uh, finish there. Two and a half hours, just over two and a half hours for Marlins-Braves. Uh, Albies uh, sat one that one out, but he is expected back for the Braves on Thursday, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And uh, Dave O'Brien, by the way, no longer with the 
AJC, but with the athletic. Dave O'Brien's reporting that Arroz Vizcaino is two to three weeks away from throwing, uh, but he is expected to return some point this season. But that that doesn't sound super optimistic. I mean, especially from a fantasy perspective, where if somebody's not back till uh, you know late August, early September. There's not necessarily a lot they can do for you. So what's your level of interest in A.J. Minter at this point? Oh, I mean, I picked him up when uh, just right around when Viscano was going on the DL. <clears throat> uh, I know they said it was should only be the 10-day minimum, and it kind of was maybe a couple of days after that. But once you hear the shoulder, I'm always going to be suspect and always fear the worst. And Minter was a guy that, you know, if given the role, he was pitching a lot better than the beginning of the season. So I looked at it as a chance for him to maybe either, you know, have at least some share of of the shaves, shaves, saves in Atlanta, or, you know, really get a chance to run with this job while he was out. And he got hurt again. He got put back back on the DL. So, yeah, if you have A.J. Minter, uh, you're holding hard. Yeah, absolutely, especially with that news. Uh, He's perfectly able, but uh, doesn't look like he's going to get much competition. And Dan Winkler just has not been good lately either. So Mm -hmm. seems like he's safe. Uh, So uh, with the Padres, the the, the speculation, rightly so, was Kirby Yates would succeed Brad Head as the closer. And he did get the save on Monday against the Mets. So the only question there is uh, whether he, too, gets traded. Uh, but in that one, um, you know, I had been speculating Craig Stammen would be next in line. Stammen, uh, I believe he pitched the seventh. I'll pull this up just to confirm. I think uh, Stammen pitched the seventh, and uh, Matan pitched the eighth. So uh, is it worth speculating there, or at this point, uh, are you just all about Kirby Yates? Uh, right now, I'm just going to ro- uh, roll with co- uh, Kirby Yates and... If he gets traded, he gets traded. Hopefully you bank a few shares there. I mean, the San Diego situation, I'm not sure who that's going to be. It's like if in Cincinnati they did trade Iglesias, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Jared Hughes. Oh, I would think absolutely it's going to be Jared yeah, Hughes. So, I've I mean, I have Jared him Hughes up, on yeah. a few teams that he's been stashed in, you know, to see what happens over this next week or so. Yeah, and it was it was Stammen uh, entered the game in the sixth, got two outs there, pitched the seventh, Phil Maton in the eighth, um, got two strikeouts, and uh, Yates two strikeouts, scoreless inning in the uh, in the ninth. So nice job there by the Padres bullpen, and then finally a uh, Tampa Bay Rays bullpen update. It was uh, Jose Alvarado getting the save against the Yankees on Monday, and he was set up by Ryan Stanek. So I think you got a similar situation there, too, where you, you figure uh, Sergio Romo uh, probably going to be traded, and uh, that comes down to one of those two guys, Stanek or Alvarado, um, in, in his absence. Uh, also kind of curious even that Romo didn't appear in this game, so I don't know if there's an issue there that uh, I'm not aware of, but in any event, that's how that one developed. So uh, let's uh, move on, Matt, and... Uh, Take a look back at the first half while it's not too far in our, our rearview mirror here. And I mentioned earlier, I took a closer look at Trevor's story earlier today and realized he's having an even better season, both in terms of the surface stats and the peripheral stats backing them up than I realized. Uh, but do you think that Trevor's story at this point, we could just kind of relax and say, yeah, this is somebody who's, in terms of value, sort of right on the heels of Manny Machado. Uh, that's where he's ranking right now. 
in terms of roto value, fourth among shortstops, just barely behind Manny Machado. Is that uh, and ahead of Alex Bregman, by the way? So is that where Trevor Story belongs? You think? I mean, as of right now, this season, yeah. I mean, uh, look, the, the he the cut the strikeout percentage down like around ten percent, which is significant considering you know that was our big fear. He was just going to be you know. Like uh, an all or nothing, that was it. He, he wasn't going to be able to sustain the contact. The contact percentage has improved. I mean, he's doing a lot of things. Nice. He's running. So, I mean, he pretty much is either at or near a lot of the, the, the counting stats of 2017. He mm-hmm. plays in course field. So, there's a lot to like here. Though, I do think we'll see some give back in the average and stuff. I'm still not like there's always going to be a little bit of doubt in me until I see a little more of it continued on. Let him finish the season strong uh, with the stats that he put up, the, uh, you know, the cutting down the strikeout percent and the improved contact rate. If he can do it over the full season, I'll really be happy about that. So, yes, he is deserving of that, the power. I mean, the fly ball and the hard hit are way up there. So everything is saying yes. Mm-hmm. and the ballpark, but I'm always going to have a little skepticism in the back of my head. All right, so I'm the Alex Bregman owner. I want to upgrade the story. I think it's an upgrade. Uh, so I offer you Bregman for story straight up. You accept that? Uh, see, if I want the average, I, I don't know. I don't know if I – I think Bregman's been pretty damn good of late too. So <laughs> well, I don't yeah. think it's that big of a – I think if you just want power – if you just you want more power, if you need more average, I'm going to go for a Bregman. That's the way I'm going to look at it. At this point in the season, it is not about the players' names. It's about the counting. It's about the categories you need that can help you move up the most. So, excellent point. You, you know, that's the way I'm going to view it. Excellent point. And you just gave me a great opportunity to to, to plug my latest piece uh, for Fan Tracks. I wrote something on pitchers that can help you with WHIP. So check that out, because uh, it is all about the categories. You're absolutely right, Matt Modica. Uh, now, for catching, it's kind of interesting how that has tiered out so far this season, because you got Real Muto uh, leading the pack. Uh, not too surprising with Gary Sanchez and uh, Wilson Contreras, both sort of having disappointing seasons. Uh, and then not too far behind, we got Wilson Ramos and the Evan Gaddis, who in a big way overcame a bad start. Uh, and then the next tier, pretty l- much lumped together. You got Yadi Molina, Yasmani Grandal, Contreras, and Buster Posey. And then you got the the cliff dive. <laughs> but at the top of the rest of that list right now, in terms of current Roto rankings, is John Hicks. Um, and bear in mind that I, if my memory serves, I don't think he played that much early in the year. So it might be a little unfair to say that he's, you know, right at the top of the next tier. Uh I mean, do you think that if you miss out on that that you know big cluster of the guys who are in the top seven, I think you throw Sanchez in there just for the upside. Uh, but you miss out on those eight catchers. Is is Hicks really the next best guy? I, I don't have a problem with that. I I really don't. Uh, in one of my deepest leagues, I've had him in there since I picked him up uh, when Miggy first went on the DL way back when. And, look, he's going to get the playing time. He's got, what, nine, ten home runs? I think maybe nine. So he's right there. The batting average, I you know, 
maybe that'll come back a bit. Uh, you know, that's something I'm, I'm not totally sold on that. But this is a player that, you know, he's, he's got, he hits the ball hard. He hits enough fly balls. So, yeah. I mean, right now, when you look at, as you said, that, that deep dive, how you just go right off that cliff, I, w- I would be happy with a John Hicks. Yep, yep. Now, I mean, he's ahead of uh, Salvador Perez, uh, you know, well ahead of Jan Gomes. Um, you know, and it pretty much there's no other names that I think you'd, you'd be that excited about or that surprised by. And, yes, uh, Hicks does have nine home runs to date uh, and batting 268, which for catcher is not bad at all. Uh, now, how about Jose Peraza? Uh, he really surged uh, fairly late in the second half. But this, you know, I just went through the rankings and thought, okay, what ne- names near or at the top are surprising me? And I certainly didn't expect to see Jose Peraza is a top 10 rotisserie shortstop. Um, are you buying a breakout here, or uh, is this just a first-half fluke? Well, I think he only really had that one bad month in May. And in this, in the, like the last month, uh, I tweeted out before the show as a little teaser, Jose Peraza since June 21st, I mean, over a 26-game span, is basically batting 360 with a 42% on base percentage. He's even slugging 544. So, and he, the other thing that you really want from him is over these over this last month, he's eight for eight in stolen base opportunities. So, he's a guy that we always thought could hit for average. I mean, he's going to be one of these guys. I like the fact that he has a good line drive, the, the line drive percentage, and the ground ball percentage. You know, it's over two thirds. So the majority of his, he's not hitting a ton of fly balls. Yeah, which. You know, for yeah, with somebody that doesn't have that much power, that you'd rather see that. Um, you know, has a consistent history of using the whole field, but he is hitting with a bit more power this year. I mean, last oh, year his soft contact rate was twenty-seven percent, uh, and I just I don't care how fast he is, he's just not he's <laughs> not going to hit for average if he does that and not have a lot of stolen base opportunities. So he's he's hitting now with enough power that uh, you know I think he is. Uh, you know, sort of uh, in that same neighborhood as D. Gordon at this point, somebody who can hit for a high enough average and, and get you those steals. So it's good to see. Uh, this pro- this struck me as odd to include him on the list, uh, but Eddie Rosario, I have to admit, I knew he was having a great season. He certainly proved himself to be an improved hitter last year. I didn't realize he was the number six Roto outfielder right now. Um, I, I mean, has he arrived as a number one outfielder and, and like a solid number one outfielder? You know, I, I think he's – I, I, I kind of think so. I wasn't adverse to him this year. I remember seeing him in the AFL a couple of years back, and I did have him on those drafted hold that those deep leagues do prior to the season. But, uh, you know, last year, that second half, he really showed it, and it's pretty much identical. The, the numbers, it's a little better this year than when you look at last season. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is full-on legit. I mean, over his last 162 games, 36 homers, 110 runs, 110 RBIs, a 300 batting average, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, it is. And I just, again, I didn't realize how good he was compared to the rest of the outfield pool. Uh, that's, you know, that's what really caught my attention. 
So, um, well, we're probably going to get to all of these guys, but I certainly want to get to uh, a couple more, maybe talk about a couple of pitchers that I had on the list. Uh, But uh, as we head to break here, when we come back on the other side, we'll get you caught up uh, with the lineups that are out, weather forecast, and also take a look at some of those great performances and maybe not so great performances from Monday's game. So stay with us. We will return right after this message. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. It is Tuesdays with Modica, so Matt Modica's here. we got lots to do here. We're going to talk about a couple of pitchers who may or may not have been fast first-half flukes. we got uh, some lineups that are out, uh, some players that you need to know that are in or out of the lineups. And we got a whole bunch of really interesting performances from Monday's games that we need to take a look at. Uh, we will do all of that, but also just a reminder that we are giving away more World Series tickets here on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network. And this time it's to the winner of free DFS baseball contests. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. And while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70% or nearly 14,000 people each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So you can find out how you can help the cause and also win 2018 World Series tickets by playing free daily fantasy baseball. You can do that all by going to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. It's your ticket to the World Series and someone's ticket to life. Okay, Matt, uh, let's uh, talk about just a couple other players uh, who sort of surprised me in terms of where they're ranking in roto value. Uh, certainly Sean Manaya <laughs> surprises me because he just hasn't been striking guys out this year. And it's, you know, seems like it's always about the strikeouts, but he's currently ranking 16th in roto value among starting pitchers. I, he was included. I'm going to do another plug here. He was included in my fan tracks piece about pitchers that can help you with whip. I have total confidence in him to do that. I do not have total confidence that Sean and I is a top 20 starter though. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. He, you know, he has a, he has a role and he'll fill it nicely. I don't think he's the top 16th, uh, top, you know, top 20 guy, like you said. And, you know, he did have that one terrible month. May, he had like, you know, a seven and a half, almost an eight ERA. Pitch much better, you know. That first month was just probably the best it could ever be, that April. I mean, it was truly remarkable, the no-hitter versus Boston. But like you said, he's a guy that's not going to get you strikeouts, but there's a role. Like, he'll help whip. Whip is a category. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't. You know, it's kind of like runs on the hitting side. Whip is important. You have to, you know, 
you have to have certain guys in there. So he's got his role. What would I rank him at? I mean, I pretty much coming into the season, I think I had him in that like 45 to 55 range. So for me, he's more of a number four type guy. He needs that strikeout pitch. He needs to develop that. He needs more swing and miss in his game. And if he could do that, then there could be really good things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he was a strikeout guy in the minors last two seasons, his first two years with the A's. Decent strikeout pitcher. Uh, you know, frankly, for me, because of, of what he did in the minors, I expected more those two years and he's gone the other direction. So maybe, uh, you know, there's there's another gear shift, uh, you know, for him in his career, uh, well, you know, which is still on the early side. At least if you're not going to strike people out, be elite with your control. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that he is. So I've got to give him at least that. Yeah, no, absolutely. He could he could help you, no doubt. Uh, okay, last player on the list here is Colin McHugh, and this one really stood out to me because he, among starting pitchers, and he has not made a start <laughs> all year, but he's you know starter eligible. Among starting pitchers, Colin McHugh ranks twenty sixth in roto value. He has thrown forty seven innings. So think of it as this way: he has made the top thirty among starters making the equivalent in terms of innings of about eight starts. that That's just remarkable. Um, no, I mean, no. tons of strikeouts, uh, also very low on walks, uh, a 0.96 ERA. So, you know, he's he's doing it all. But uh, going forward, I mean, forget about top 30 or, or, you know, whatever the specific ranking is. Would it make sense to actually just pick up Colin McHugh for the rest of the season, um, even like in a 12-team mixed league? Uh, just to put him in a starting pitcher slot? In the 12 team, uh, yeah. I mean, I would roster him because, you know, say on certain weeks you could put him in there. And if something happens where he can get a rotation spot for the Astros, uh, it's been pretty remarkable. He's got about maybe a two-mile-an-hour bump on the fastball. Being out of the bullpen, everybody gets, uh, you know, gets an up. Right. But, you know, what he's done, it's really been a fantastic season. And that's why, you know, you got to pay attention to these these middle relievers that can pitch multiple innings as well. They can help you out. All right. Well, it's something certainly to, to think about. Um, I've just got him in one league. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I, I do use him in a relief spot uh, a lot of the time. But, mm-hmm. yeah, something something to think about. Uh, also, let's uh, think about our daily lineups here just for a moment. Uh, in terms of weather, bad weather again, the Northeast, apparently. Um, Matt, you're more in touch with that than I am, uh, geographically it's speaking. It's pretty nice out here. And I'm at, right now I'm in Jersey, so it's pretty nice. I'm, All right. Well, I guess uh, closest – Home stadium to you would be uh, City Field. Only a 12% chance of precipitation at game time, but going up, maybe a little bit of a delay threat there. But the, the ones you really need to, to be concerned about, well, really the one is Baltimore. Uh, Orioles hosting the Red Sox that uh, drew Pomeranz start. Also, I've, I've got Jeffrey Ramirez going in a few leagues. Uh, so I, I hope they can get that one uh, played. He's uh, pitching for the Orioles. 41% chance uh, precipitation at first pitch going up to 70% by 8 p.m. Eastern. So may want to uh, check on your Orioles and Red Sox for that one. Phillies hosting the Dodgers. Only 3% chance of precipitation at game time, but going up to 43% by 9 p.m. Eastern. Otherwise, looks pretty much in the clear for every other uh, every other venue. 
as far as the lineups go, yeah, I don't see anything particular to pay attention to for the Orioles or the, the Red Sox. Phillies, Dodgers, there's not going to be any Scott Kingery, so if you were planning on starting him anyway, just just don't. Uh, it's Yismail Valentin uh, getting the start at shortstop. Dodgers lineup, uh, Manny Machado at third. He's made the move with uh, Justin Turner out. Uh, Muncy at first, Taylor at short. Alex uh, Verdugo getting the start. So, again, if you're thinking about using him uh, or Enrique Hernandez, who's playing at second base, uh, definitely check uh, check that weather forecast. Twins and Blue Jays, Jose Barrios and Ryan Barucki. And these are all uh, lineups I hadn't seen yet. So I'm just going to take a quick scan here. Uh, for the Twins, you got Taylor Motter in right field. That's a little different. Uh, but is the lefty Barucki going for the Blue Jays? Don't see anything uh, there. Uh, we got Rays and Yankees, Tanaka and Yanni Chirinos. There's your Rays starter, Yanni Chirinos. Uh, another start for G-Man Choi, uh, batting fifth and playing DH. Uh, second baseman of the day for the Yankees is Drury. But I think we're supposed to get Glaber back tomorrow, right? I do believe I had seen the reports uh, for Wednesday, so hopefully I can put him in my lineups on Friday. I hope so, too. I put him in my, my weekly lineup, so uh, you know, hopefully that works out. Uh, and then Pirates at Indians. Pirates again with the DH, uh, Colin Moran, uh, as with yesterday, getting the DH. So you got another start for David Freeze against Shane Bieber and the Indians. And uh, for the, the the Indians, you got to start there for Melky Cabrera in right field, batting sixth. Uh, no Mets lineup yet against Eric Lauer and the Padres. It's going to be Zach Wheeler going for the Mets. Uh, nothing much there to see with the Padres lineup. Austin Gomber, who, uh, Gomber I just made him plural. Austin Gomber uh, <laughs> going for the Cardinals. Uh, he's brought up uh, De Leon, uh, Ponce De Leon, excuse me, sent back down. Uh, lefty Gomber against uh, Homer Bailey, who was just activated uh, for the Reds. The aforementioned Jose Peraza leading off. Philip Irvin getting the start in right field. So no, um, looks like no Jesse Winker. I'm just being extra careful here to make sure I've got that right. Yep, no Jesse Winker uh, for the Reds. Matt Carpenter leading off again. Jose Martinez getting another start for the Cardinals. And let's see, we've got a few more here. Cubs and Diamondbacks, Hendricks and Buckholtz. And uh, let's see real quick here. Don't see anything there. Oh, no, uh, Wilson Contreras for the Cubs. And then last two, Tigers and Royals. Jordan Zimmerman coming back from his uh, injections that he got in his back. So hopefully he's uh, feeling good and ready to go against the Royals. Brian Goodwin making his first Royals start, batting eighth and in center field. And for the Detroit Tigers, Jim Adusi at first base, batting sixth. Don't see anything else unusual there. So there you go. Now you're ready to play uh, daily fantasy baseball or set your daily lineup. All right. Well, let's uh, go back to yesterday's games. Uh, talk a little bit about that start from uh, from Ponce de Leon, Daniel Ponce de Leon. Seven innings of no-hit shutout ball only three strikeouts and three walks but a lot of strikeouts in the minor leagues so um you'd said earlier matt you'd, you'd feel pretty good about picking him up what would be the shallowest league in terms of number of teams where you, you think you'd do that oh probably 12 teams I mean, wow okay in a, in a 10 teamer i don't know 
I mean, maybe I've it's just it's been so long since I, I I wouldn't know what's on the waiver wire. I'm assuming there's. A, well, a you know, the thing is, in a 12 teamer, um, it is shallow enough that you know if he doesn't come back up or he comes up and you know mm-hmm. is it good uh, you know you you could you know still probably find a good replacement it's not like you're you know uh you you picked him up and and you know you're wedded to that decision uh now going for the reds in that same game was Luis Castillo not a great start but you know you take what you can get at this point for Luis Castillo five and a third just one run five strikeouts uh are you sufficiently encouraged by that with Castillo like you said, right now I'm just taking the best I can get from Louis Castillo, hoping he has a nice run to finish it out. And look, it's, it's still the Cardinals, you know. I mean, I'll take that, you know. If I can get, you know, six more, seven more starts like that, I'll be pretty happy. Oh, absolutely. I would I would be too. A <laughs> uh, couple of starts here. I'm just going to kind of blow through these uh, real quick here because we got a number of pitchers that did not pitch well. Usually – you know, I try, I try to put a, you know, a positive flavor on this segment, <laughs> but this one's a little more negative than usual because there were just some surprisingly bad performances, but a couple of good ones. Uh, Yulisha seen with another strong start, five and two-thirds, one run, nine Ks and no walks against the Nationals. Uh, he's been, you know, kind of good all season long, but the last five, he's really gone up a tick. 2.83 ERA with 26 Ks in 28 and two-thirds innings, just seven walks, just two homers. Uh, and then Sean Newcomb, who had really struggled. In fact, I talked about that in some depth on Monday's show. And then he came back and, and showed me uh, against the Marlins by just a lot one run over six innings. But he did walk four batters and got five strikeouts. So um, slightly encouraging there for Sean Newcomb. And Heath Fillmeyer, a recent addition to the, the Royals rotation. Good start for him. Two runs over six and two-thirds. Six Ks, two walks. Uh, by the way, I said two runs. Only one was earned. This against the Tigers. And 12 ground balls as opposed to four fly balls. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not running out to pick up Heath Fillmeyer, but definitely at least on my radar at this point for deeper leagues. But let's uh, talk about the starts that didn't go so well. Corey Kluber lasted only four innings, giving up seven runs, although only three were earned, and the defense did let him down uh, against the Pirates on Monday. Nine hits still, so you got to chalk those up to Kluber, and only two strikeouts. He said that his knee, uh, which you just recently got an, uh, an injection in his knee, he said the knee was not a problem, just said that his delivery was, uh, these are his words, uh, out of whack. Um, how concerned are you about Corey Kluber? Uh, like you say, uh, you don't like injections, number one, but uh, I'm going to try and remain calm here because you, you do need him for these next two months. It, it's, it's, pivotal, it's pivotal that he deliver on, you know, pretty much what you were hoping for beginning of the season, down the home stretch. You know, now's not the time for him to fall apart. And, and it's, it's been a rough stretch, you know. So maybe he's not fully healthy. I mean, you have to assume that. We're now looking at over 50 innings or more where he's pitched to over a four ERA. But if it's something where it's mechanical and stuff, you can hope that he can correct it and finish strong. Yeah, no, I hope so. Um, I just traded him, in fact, just yesterday morning, I think it was, uh, in Tout Wars 
for Juan Soto and Kendris Morales. And I had some real trepidation about making that trade uh, because, you know, it's, it's Soto who has tailed off a bit and is, you know, relatively inexperienced. Uh, he, the, you know, the big player coming back to me. But I did have some concerns about Kluber. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm feeling, you know, I'm doing cartwheels about the trade after the start. But, uh, you know, if it is what Kluber says it is and it's just a delivery thing, you know, in the start of two, he, he could be, you know, he could be fine. Or as you say, Matt, maybe there's a health issue that he's just not talking about uh, here. So. Yeah, I got to think there's something that's been bothering him, you know, something that hasn't been right. I'm not going to say it's all injury and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Luis Severino has not been right. Uh, last three starts, uh, 7.80 ERA, 11 hits and seven runs, six earned in just five innings against the Rays. Uh, a lot of fly balls uh, being hit off of uh, Luis Severino um, in the last three starts. He's allowed six home runs. And something just weird, I'm just going to toss out there, but I have no idea what it means, Matt, is that in his changeup uh, on Monday was throwing at, I think, around 82 when he normally throws at, like, 87, 88. And, I mean, that's just weird. And I don't know if it's good, bad, or, or neither. But uh, do you, would you feel safe about starting Luis Severino next time out? Uh, yeah, unless I hear something different. You are, that is a good uh, nugget that you pulled out there, that it was 82 as opposed to his 87. Look, it's tough for these pitchers. They're going to have stretches. Look, it's six months long. Even the top guys are going to have a bad, you know, couple of weeks. You know, and the fact that they pitch every five days. So it could, you know, be three weeks where you're like, wow, this guy's really killing me. But it's it's over a six-month period. You got to remember that. Uh, if somebody is worried about Severino, I'd look to pounce and try and get it, try and acquire him. All right. Buy low opportunity, perhaps. Uh, I'm going to go real quick here because we've got like a minute left. Uh, but Ross Stripley and Zach, Zach Eflin, uh, not good starts for them, although Eflin uh, just coming off the DL. Michael Franco, a two-homer game. He's now up to 15 homers on the year. Um, Matt Chapman with just his 11th homer of the year. That surprised me a little bit. Um but you know, I went and saw, is he being hurt by Oakland Coliseum? He's got a 233 ISO on the road, just 136 at home. So uh, that's something to consider uh, as far as Matt Chapman goes. So that's our music, Matt, telling us we got to not talk about Jonathan Scope again today. <laughs> or Logan Morrison. Uh, anyways, Matt, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to spend with us here on the show. Looking forward to next week. Yes, Al. Thank you. Every Tuesday is a pleasure. All right. Excellent, folks. Well, be back tomorrow. Talk a little DFS and everything else that's happening in baseball.